The biggest complaint I hear from women is that they don't have the support they need from family and friends to uplevel their life, or they just don't know how to do it. Well, I'm changing all that. I have met amazing women on my podcast, and it's inspired me to create the Warrior Women Mastermind. What's a mastermind? It's a small group of women, hand-selected by me, specifically designed and curated for those women who want to uplevel their business, brand, and mindset. You'll get incredible support and meet like-minded women in a non-competitive environment. You'll have incredible access to my network of coaches, entrepreneurs, and experts in every field to accelerate you on every level. My next mastermind is launching in the fall. Feeling like you need a push? A boost? Someone to pull you up where you're supposed to be? Well, go to my website at lizswadek.com and schedule a discovery call to learn more about how you can apply. That's Liz, L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. This is invitation only, ladies, but that invitation is waiting for you. Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Welcome back, Warrior Women. Today, in our continuing series on joy, we're going to talk about grief. Wait a minute, Liz. I thought we were talking about happy stuff. I know, I know. But it turns out that even in grief, you can get to joy. Many people have suffered unimaginable grief and loss over the last year and a half. In order to get to joy, we can't avoid grief. My guest today is a grief coach, and her personal story tells us that even after the chasm of grief, there is a path to joy. If you've suffered a loss of any kind or know someone in the depths of grief and need the support, this podcast is for you. I have gone through loss of friends, loss of time, and grief over this pandemic. This conversation really helped shed light on the grieving process and what you can do to step into the light. Sending my love out to all the listeners today and every day. Every woman deserves a bathing suit that makes her feel fabulous. Sumanista bathing suits are designed for women by women and made using luxury recycled fabrics giving women the confidence, comfort, and empowerment they deserve. Whether you're looking for something sporty or sexy, Swimanista bathing suits are designed to move and engineered to complement your body no matter your size. Get your special Warrior Women 15% discount by going to Swimanista.com and using the code WARRIOR15. That's Swimanista.com. Swim, I-N-I-S-T-A dot com. Today on the show, Courtney Allison. Courtney is a licensed mental health counselor and grief coach who has been in private practice for 12 years. After losing her mom four days prior to entering graduate school, she decided to specialize in grief so she could help others with early loss, understand their grief, and work on healing. She launched her coaching practice, Courtney Allison Coaching, this year to help women who are further along in their grieving process find purpose and take control of their lives. She's been married for 17 years and is a warrior mom of two. Welcome to the show, Courtney. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so glad to talk to you today. 
you reached out to me, but then when I saw you were calling yourself a motherless daughter and a motherless mother, that just like, woo, Courtney, that like shook me like that. I felt that in my heart and soul. And I have my mom still alive, but that just like, that really rocked me. Let's go back to the beginning. I got to know the whole story. Tell me life as a young girl growing up and your relationship with your mom. So I'm an only child. And I was actually the only grandchild in my family for six to seven years before my first cousin came along. So I was extremely close to both of my parents, but even more so to my mom because my dad was working. My mom stayed home with me for the most part. So, I mean, my early memories are all with my mom, riding around in the car with her, running errands, singing, you know, just she was that mom that was there for you and supported you and wanted the best for you. All of my friends loved her that, you know, our house was the house that everyone came to, to do the sleepovers and things like that, because we didn't have brothers and sisters running around, you know, bothering us and things like that. So yeah, she was always just number one. I remember as a child, and when I reflect on this now, it's sort of an eerie thing, but as a child, I was very attached to her, a young child. I didn't want to be separated from her. I have memories of her and my dad going on a cruise and I stayed with my grandparents and I was just sobbing and sobbing. And I remember waving to them and, you know, just not wanting to be away from her ever. I was always afraid she was going to die. If I'm being completely honest, and I've talked about this on my page before, I always had that fear within me. So when she became sick, And when it became apparent that that's what was going to happen, I looked back on that with a lot of fear of like, did I know somehow? Did I have some intuition that she was going to die and that's why we were so close? Or was it just what was supposed to happen? Wow, Courtney, that is crazy. I mean, sometimes they're like, we get these little reveals, you know, and and also I've said this a thousand times, but I feel like God doesn't show us the full journey because if we saw what was coming around the corner, we would just be basically sit in the street and be like, I'm not going one step further, Courtney, yes. not another mile. But but because we kind of like get to go along and then the curves come, right? But sometimes I do think we get a little inkling of what's what's coming. So that is crazy. Mm-hmm. That's yes. a crazy feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard, real hard. Yeah. Your mom passed away four days before you started graduate school. So tell me like, yeah, tell me about the time kind of leading up to that. So she was diagnosed with MS when I was 10 years old and it was very uneventful for the most part. She would have these tiny exacerbations and she would always recover. And then when I was 20, she had the one final exacerbation that never got better. It -hmm. just continuously took more and more of her abilities to the point where at the end of the five years, she was pretty much paralyzed from the chest down. She could use her arms a little bit, but not really. She still had to kind of be fed. She was bed bound. She had very limited sight. Like up until the time that she died, we all, because we're a faith-based family, my grandfather was a pastor. We always just said, no, she's going to get better somehow we're going to find something or there's going to be a miracle and she is going to get better. And, you know, we went through these five years of, of kind of turmoil within our family because she was one of the anchors of our family. Mm. And unfortunately in that five-year period, my grandfather, who was the, the, you know, main guy in our family, he died on my mom's birthday. 
Oh my you gosh. Know? Right. Explain that. And, um, so he was gone and we all had to deal with that. And then I think two years later is when she actually passed away, but I never accepted. I never thought like, well, she's going to die. The only time, like it became apparent to me the last week that she was living, she had, she, she, I guess she got pneumonia. Yeah. So I called my, I remember calling her. She had a wonderful nurse. Oh my gosh. That was there with her the whole time when my dad was working, she would come to our house. And I remember calling her on a Monday and the nurse saying, your mom has pneumonia. You better come over. Mm. And I thought, okay, all right. I came over my entire family, extended family sitting in the room with her. And I remember just looking, going, What's going on? Like, and why it are still all these didn't. people here? Yeah. Right. Why are we all here, like corralled in my parents' bedroom and everyone, my aunts and uncles and cousins? And I'm like, still didn't get it. Tuesday, I went back over. I think more people were there. Wednesday, we had the best day. It was only me over there. We just talked. We watched, you know, shows that we love to watch together. It was just the, the most wonderful day and peaceful day that we had together. And then Thursday, when I, when I went over there, she was not dead, but she was in that kind of in-between stage. She couldn't talk. She was just, you know, kind of gone. I just kind of had to sit there. And then when I left to go home, I remember leaning over and I said, I love you, mom. And she somehow mumbled the words, I love you too. Oh, what a blessing. Right. It was such a blessing because I didn't know that was the last time I was going to see her. I had no idea. Mm. So then I get the call Friday morning and I knew exactly, I knew then that, um, you know, she was, she was gone. Well, actually let me rewind a little bit. So on that Thursday, when I was there, that's when I finally, the hospice nurse, they had called hospice. Still, I didn't get it. I wasn't there. Well, you didn't want to get it. I did not want to get it. I did not want to lose my mom. No, I mean, who does? And the hospice nurse said, you know, pulled me aside and said, so I just want to let you know, like, here's some things that are happening with her. And this is what tends to happen when people start to die. And I remember just going, she's going to die. And that's when I think it hit me. Then fast forward to that conversation, 6.45 in the morning, my dad calls me and I just, I looked at my husband and I said, it's my mom. Yeah. And it was. It's an early call. Yeah. Yeah. No one calls you that early just to chat. Well, I do because I'm a crazy person who wakes up really <laughs> early. Courtney, so I'm going to start calling you at 6.30. No, okay. But no, but you're right. Those calls, that's the scariest call. Like if my mother calls me that early, I'm like, who died? You know, like it's just a yes. scary, it's, it is a scary call. It yeah. is. Is that what led you to start like working and calling yourself a grief coach? Like what led to that? So I started, of course, being a therapist. So my mom was the inspiration for me being a therapist. And I was just this good listener and at about age 13. And I said, mom, can I do this as a job? And she goes, yeah, that's what a psychologist does. And from that time oh, on, that was amazing. my path. That's so early right. for realizing you were a good listener. That's amazing. What a great thing that your mom kind of gifted you that she's told you, oh no, here's what you do with that being a great listener. You can be this person. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how I do things. I'm like, I'm going to, okay, I like this. I'm doing it. And I don't, I don't let go. So I just went on that path. And then when she had died, I had already been accepted to graduate school. And so my thought process there was, okay, my school hadn't started yet. I had four days until I had to start. And I thought, okay, my school, I can either take one year right now off, defer my, my uh, entrance and grieve this whole year, or I can go. And I thought, 
my mom would be so mad at me if I delayed grad school because she died. So I said, I just got to go. I'm going to go. And it was the best decision I made because I was surrounded by counselors, my professors, my friends were becoming counselors. And we had to do so much exploration over that four years. I went in one person and I came out so much further in my grief and came out a a totally different person than I was. So it was a gift to me. And at the end of my journey through graduate school, I realized I wanted to specialize in grief. I actually went in wanting to specialize in eating disorders. I don't know why. And I came out going, no, I'm going to work with grief because that's what people need me for. I have a story. And now doing this for 12 years, I've started to notice in my clients when they get past a certain point in their grief, and it could be one year, it could be six months, it could be five years, they start needing something else that's not counseling that's more coaching of let's take new steps and let's take more direct steps into your new life. And so I said, it's time for me to do coaching to get people to the next level instead of the survival of grief counseling. Grief coaching is what's going to be next for me. I love that because you know what? You're right. You you don't stay. I mean, I mean, this is what's strange about grief and we're going to get into this, but Grief is kind of like one of those things. Some people are like, just get, you know, you're going to get over it. And I'm like, I don't know if you really like get over it. Do you get over it, Courtney? I don't think you do. I think you kind of like live with it and, and then you kind of go into another stage with it. Or I don't know. What do you think? So you never get over it. So if, if I think about my own experience, I'm never going to wake up one morning and go, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm okay with the fact that my mom died. I'll never get over it. It just becomes less suffocating in your life to where these instances where you think of them and you're sobbing or you feel like your life can't go on without them, that just becomes less frequent and less severe when it happens. So I still have times even you know 15 16 years later where I'll think about my mom or I will remember like oh my gosh she's gone and she's been gone for all this time and she doesn't know my kids and then I'll I'll feel like I can't breathe but it's maybe a couple of minutes and then life goes on so you don't get over it ever you just learn to live with it and you learn to have it fit into your life and become part of who you are yeah Cause I was going to ask you like, how did you deal with your own grief? I mean, but you're basically telling me, you're telling me that you learned to live with it, that, you know, it's going to be there and that, you know, you deal with it sort of as it comes, but you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't become an everyday all day thing. Like it is in the beginning, right? In the beginning, it's like an all consuming thing where you can't think about anything else. It's so hard. And it was probably good that you did graduate school truthfully, because even though you got to be in that place, you also had something else to think about. So that, you know, and that was kind of a consuming thing. So it didn't just, the grief didn't drown you all the time. It didn't drown me all the time. I I feel like I did cope really well because I guess maybe a subconscious part of my mind did know she was going to die because it was just getting worse and worse. But so maybe I was a little bit prepared and I think sometimes that can help. But you're right. I was not only just very busy. You don't have time to do anything in grad school, but I was also working towards my passion that she had inspired me to do. So I think that really helped me a lot. Yes. Well, tell me what is the most important thing we need to know about dealing with their own grief? Because God knows people are just grieving all over the place right now. A lot of people passed away with, you know, with COVID or, 
you know, and, and, and also truthfully can't grief is like many things. I think like, it's not just death, right? Like, I feel like, so, so tell me what's the most important thing we need to know first, first when dealing with our own grief. Okay. So I think you've already touched on it, which is it lasts forever and that it is not any sort of nice, neat little stages. You know, we have these stages of grief, which are not the stages of grief, by the way, those are more of the stages of what happens when you're dying. Okay. So that's a myth, right? Like there are (laughs) these stages of grief. Like I'm first going to be in the denial and then I'm going to move joyfully to my next part, you know, by this day and time, right? Like that's not happening. No, those stages were created to help understand what happens when you know you're going to die. So those are the stages of dying, not the stages of grief. However, I do tell my clients that those things you can use and think of it as things that you may or may not feel at some point during your grief, not in any order. You may not feel any of them. So knowing that, that there's no stages, that you're not going to get over it, that it lasts forever but also that it does get easier and that you will become, well, you have to, if you want to really get into a place of, I don't even know if I want to call it healing, but if you want to get into a place of living with it, you have to change who you are. You will not be the same person as you were before that person died because a little dial, I tell my clients, the dial switches. When someone dies, it goes click and everyone around you changes into a different position. So you have to embrace that person if you're going to allow yourself to keep going. So how do you deal with that? What do you do? Well, I have several things that I like to talk with my clients about. And the most important thing is you've got to feel the feeling. If you do not release the feelings that are related to your loss, you will not go far. I had that experience. I bottled it up and thought, oh, I'm okay. I knew this was going to happen. I'm a therapist, you know, and then I had this explosion in public where no one knew what was going on. I was screaming. My husband was like, what the heck is going on? And I finally was able to get the words out to him. I'm telling everyone that I'm okay. And I'm not. And he was like, oh, okay. Gotcha. So you got to feel the feelings and you've got to surround yourself with people. I call them your support staff who do certain things for you. This person makes me laugh. This person listens. This person gets me out of the house. Those things and use them for those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. You got to have a little tribe of people Mm. and know that the people who, yeah, those, I mean, listen, I'm one of those people. I'm like a humor person. So I I love to make people laugh and I'm, I'm a pretty good listener. So I, I do. And I really appreciate that when I'm in my moments when somebody, when I am in a dark, dark place and someone makes a joke, I am so happy. I'm like, thank you. I just needed that little moment. Like, cause, cause you can't, you just can't stay there all in that same, you know, position all the time. Cause grief is not just about death. I mean, you can, you can grieve a lot of things. Um, what are your clients grieving? Like, what do you see a lot of right now? So mostly what I'm seeing is the loss of some person. That's sort of where I get most of my clients, whether it's coaching clients or whether it is counseling. However, there are other things such as loss of an identity, you know, becoming a new Which mom. Which kind of goes along with that sometimes, by the way, right? Like, so right. Like, like you were saying, right? Your mother dies. Now you're like, oh my God, I am a motherless daughter. That's not an identity that you really wanted to have. Hello. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yes. So I think that can be part like the other part of it, right? 
It is. Yeah, there's the other part of who you were and who you want to be or who you can't be. And that's another part of grieving the life that you once had, not necessarily related to loss, but you know, maybe maybe your spouse got a new job and you had to move. So your whole life changed. You know, maybe you got a divorce and now it's kind of the same like life transition. So there are so many different types of loss that follow the same pattern at times as grief. And you do sort of the same types of things, but I would say from those, you probably bounce back a tad bit faster, but it's still really hard. Yeah, it's still really, really hard. What do you tell your clients? Like if somebody comes to you and they just, they can't move forward, right? Like they've just been in this place and they can't, is it that they're like, you not feel feeling that what's usually the, the problem or like, what, what do you think kind of helps us or, or helps us to push forward? I guess when we not, not push it away, cause that's not going anywhere. Like you said, but what helps us to, to come, come towards like a healing. So if someone is really stuck like that, it's either because, yes, they have not felt those feelings or people have not allowed them to. They felt really stifled or maybe they've never had therapy before. I've had people come to me years after a loss. And so they've not been able to really understand what grief is. And most of my work, especially with counseling clients, is educating them on what grief is and what it isn't and also validating their feelings. And that helps them move faster than anything else I can do. So if they're stuck, it can be that, or it can also be that they are experiencing a really traumatic loss, like someone was murdered in front of them, or someone was abducted and they never found the person. You know, that's harder, I think, because, and you don't really get closure, but there's not, you're, you're lost with, of information. You don't have everything you need to start coping and moving forward. So that gets into complicated, you know, bereavement where you are stuck for a really long time. Mm. And then there's others we call disenfranchised grief where you had a miscarriage and nobody lets you grieve that. They're like, oh, it's okay. You didn't know the baby or, you know, at least you didn't hold the baby or something like that where they don't want to hear about it. They don't think that it's a big deal. And those are times when people really need to step way back and then start going forward again. And tell me, how do we come alongside? Because I'm thinking of this too, because I've been in so many crazy situations. I mentioned to you earlier that my daughter was in the hospital over Christmas. I've got, she got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which has been like very, a devastation. It was, you know, because it's a mm-hmm. permanent thing and it's very hard. She's 11, just turned 12, Miss Coco. But, you know, I've really gotten a better about accepting help. <laughs> Over the years. And also, I need, I know what kind of help I need. And my friends are very good about like, I'm bringing you dinner. Like, I told them, don't ask, just do. Like, bring the flowers to the house, bring the warm blanket, bring the dinner. Do not ask permission. Text them, left it on your porch. Love you, thinking of you. Send them a little prayer, praying for you today. Don't have to respond to this, praying for you. Just things like that make people feel better. Is there, is there some kind of advice you can give us? Like if you, if somebody is in like this, in grieving, how do we be good friends to that person? What do, what can we do? Well, I think you've kind of nailed it. Let's not be sending texts to people saying, I'm here if you need me <laughs> because- Tell me what to do. Yeah, because someone who's grieving feels so alone anyway and they don't know really who they are. They're like, like I describe it as you're floating around in space without a planet to go back to. 
So if I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what I need. I don't know what I'm going to ask for. And just doing exactly what you said, just coming over and saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to clean up your house or I'm going to take your kids for, for the afternoon. So you can just rest. And also really asking, like one of my clients said, you know, she's got a certain person in her life that comes to her every now and then and says, how are you? You know, like really, really want to know. Really ask like that. Haven't you noticed that there's people that go like, how are you? And then I'm like, how are you? (laughs) In In this low, deep voice, Courtney. And people are like, well, I'm not good. I'm like, I know. Let's talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. True, you're right. You got to ask it the right way. Yes, yes. Just making sure that you show up for them, and 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 you've got to avoid trying to make things better. Like, oh, they're in a better place, or you know, oh, you know, it's been a year, so don't you feel better now? Like, don't that that happens when people are uncomfortable and they just don't know what to say, so they're trying to like put a band aid on it. Let's not say that, you know. Let's say, you know, the anniversary, you know, the one year anniversary just passed. It's got to be really hard for you. How are you dealing with that? Those types of things. Let's not try and make it better. You're not going to make it better. Even if it's been 75 years since someone died, you're not going to make it better. I'm glad you're saying that. I think when you're grieving, you, 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 and especially if you're grieving a loss, like a loss of your mother, a loss of your father, a big loss, you may, I think, feel like I will never feel joy again. I will never feel joy again. You just like almost that's a, a loss, right? Like you're like, I won't, I won't be happy. But can you, can you get to a point in in grieving where you can feel that joy again? Oh yeah. I'm happy right now. I, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my whole life. I am more excited about the person I am right now than I ever was before my mom died because she inspired me to do that. I've got to live my life. And it's not going to be immediate, but yeah, you may laugh the day after someone has passed and that's okay. You know, and my clients often tell me, I feel really guilty. Like, how am I laughing right now? How am I enjoying life right now? And it's because the sun still rises and sets every day. The world still turns. And just naturally as that happens, and as you continue to adjust to life without them, your heart heals. It does not completely. You'll always have that space for that person. They'll always be gone, but you will heal and life will reveal itself to you. You'll feel excited about life again. Courtney, you're so good at this. I mean, (laughs) people are going to be hiring you from just from this podcast. I'm I'm already like thinking I've got, I'm referring you to like 15 people I know. Oh my gosh. In my mind, I'm literally making a list. I'm like, this one needs her. This one needs, I need you. Like, I mean, everybody needs you, by the way. Okay. So what's next for you, Miss Courtney? What's going on for you? What's next for me is just, just diving deep into my coaching practice. I am so excited because it's just been launched for about a month now. And I'm just so excited to connect with my clients and show them the difference that coaching can make in their life. And, you know, it's scary to go and deep dive into that and have someone kind of going behind you and saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. But I'm so excited to see what my clients transform their life into. It is just empowering. Every time I talk to someone about coaching, I just smile. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're just going to love this. You're just going to love it. Trust me. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about life, you know, embracing life and spring is here in Florida where I am. So I'm excited about that, even though it's always hot here, but 
There's something about spring. I was going to say, it's, oh, you're right. Florida is like a perpetual same thing almost. Well, I, I, I went to school in Florida. Oh, we, we went to the same school. Oh, that's right. Didn't we, we go to the same did. college? We went to Raleigh. We did. Yes, this is yes. true. So, but this even though we true. do have winter in Florida, it's we like do. a little, it's like a little mini winter. Like I a wore mini. Those. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We get cold and it's a wet cold. Yes. So it's, it gets in your bones. So that's our excuse. But when, yeah, yeah when spring comes, it, there's just something in the air in Florida. So true. So true. Well, you are so uniquely suited to this work between, you know, being a counselor for 12, it's been 12 years, right? You've been a counselor yeah. and then starting this griefing. Cause really that is, I think that's specifically what so many people are, are needing right now. So you are really, you you're onto something sister. Okay. We're onto the speed round, Courtney. It's time to party. Okay. All right. Ready to party with me? Okay. Yes. This, the two Rollins girls are going to start partying now. Get ready. Cocktail of choice, Courtney. Okay. So I love rum punch with dark rum, not light rum, rum punch. What in the hell is in rum punch? I can't even remember. So I make my own. It's just rum with a bunch of juice. I do orange juice, apple juice, peach juice, fruit punch. Everyone makes it different, but that's what I do. I mean, that really sounds like a good time. No wonder oh, you're delicious. living in Florida with your mom. <laughs> right. Mantra or quote that you live by? So in every Instagram post, it my Instagram posts end with, your struggle does not define you. It offers you the opportunity for growth. Wow. That is a good one. What makes you feel unstoppable? So two separate things, but also so kind of related. When I see my girls take something that I've taught them and they do it and they're excited about it. And then also when I see that in my clients, when I just got off a really good call with a client and I see them like fired up or they report like, oh, we did this and they're feeling it. Oh my gosh, that just makes my day. I love it. I love it. Who do you admire? So my hero is Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. He lost his dad at 10 years old and he wrote the song wake me up when september ends and i did not know not this know this he did and i remember hearing that song i remember where i was on the road i remember it was right after my mom died and when i heard the first words which is summer has come or wake me when i heard him say wake me up when september ends so my mom died in september i just thought Okay, that would be really nice because <laughs> my birthday is October 1st. So that song was was meant for me. And I've just admired him ever since. Someday I will meet him and I will tell him everything that he's done for me and my grief and that he's helped me push forward because he survived losing his dad when he was like 10. So I just admire him so much. And just being able to turn his pain into this creativity and inspiring so many people. And oh, they're just amazing amazing band. Music is everything. I'm sorry, but like, you're right. Lyrics to songs and they, you know, these, these songwriters and musicians, they don't realize how much people just need that, you know, to, they want to feel that they're understood and you can feel understood through things like that. It's amazing. What are you most proud of? Oh, well, okay. I'm so proud of me. I am so proud of, yeah, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of myself for following my passions and making it something that brings my life so much joy and that I get to do this every single day. Then I love it. You know, I love going to work. I get to work from home. I get to talk to people all day long. I get to help people all day long. And I'm proud of me for following that and doing it. 
I'm proud of you too. What's exciting you the most right now? So besides my coaching practice launching and my website just launched today, my brand new website, CourtneyAllison.com. CourtneyAllison.com. We're putting in the show notes. Okay. It's launching. And we are actually on in the process of building our dream home on land that my husband and his father have owned for 40 years. We're starting the process. That is insane. Where is it going to be? In what part of Florida? So we are in central Florida area. So it's going to be in there, around there. Oh my gosh. That is super exciting. Oh my God. Very. That's like a dream come true. Well, you're, you're, you're hitting your stride. You're in a good part of your life right now, Courtney. Thank you so much for coming today and coming on and talking about all this stuff. This is like, this is deep, real work that people really need. And I'm really glad we had this conversation today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy we connected. Awesome. Okay. Thank you everybody for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye. Bye.